Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Finally, a Tuesday. What's going on? Welcome to the jungle. My name is Jim Rome. Nice to have you here. We are live in Southern California and broadcasting from my typical perch. 1-800-636-8686. I would encourage you to hit me up on Twitter. Do that every single day. During the day, at night, whenever you want. Twitter never, ever shuts down. Follow me at Jim Rome, or if you want to go old school, as long as I have that email address, take advantage of that too. Rome, R-O-M-E, at haveatake.com. Let me start with a quote from last night's game. Typically on Tuesday morning, I will lead with the NNF matchup. But let me start with a quote instead. Quote being, 8-3, and three, where TF? My haters at. End of quote. 8-3, and three, where TF my haters at? Not my words. Not my quote. They belong to Tyron Matthew of the Houston Texans. And if you know anything about this show, you know that Tyron Matthew is huge in this house. And to me, that tweet is tremendous. See, here's the thing. It's really hard to win in the National Football League. Anybody who played in that league will tell you just that. In fact, everybody I've ever spoken to who played in the National Football League says exactly that. And when they refer to it, they will refer to it as the National Football League. When saying NFL is faster, doesn't matter. It's not serious enough. It is the National Football League. And you know what's even tougher than winning in the National Football League? Winning and it's somehow remaining a secret. Winning and not getting any credit whatsoever for it. That's the Texans. A team with Pro Bowl players all over their roster that's won eight straight, but still is not getting a ton of run for it. The Houston Texans, who just wrecked the Tennessee Titans 34-17 on Monday Night Football last night. I mean, a beatdown like that in primetime, and it still does not make a sound. Does not even register, really. The Texans with J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. The Texans with a defense that had five sacks in its last game. Six sacks last night. The Houston Texans who ran for nearly 300 yards last night. The Texans who have the same record as the Patriots and a better record than the Steelers. The Houston Texans who can do this type of thing on defense. going to run a quarterback sneak here. It's Mariota. Under center, he hands off to Stalker, the tight end. He's pushed back. I don't know if he's got it. Texans celebrating, and they turn back Tennessee on fourth down. Texans radio. They can do that on defense, and then they can bounce right back and do this to you on offense. And here's Miller over right guard. Has a little room. Breaks the tackle. 10, 15, 20, right side, 25, 30. He's to the sideline, the 40, the 50. He's going to go all the way. The 30, the 20, the 10, the 5. Rock and roll. Touchdown, Houston. 97 yards. That one's for you, Bob. Sometimes in a game, it can be tough to find the exact turning point. You know, to pinpoint the exact moment when the game changed or when it was over. That was not hard last night. That game changed when Titans tight end Luke Stalker took a handoff. And it was over when Lamar Miller hit the 20-yard line. He broke through a bunch of tackles. He absolutely destroyed Tennessee's will on that play. Shattered tackles, shattered dreams, the whole thing. So what I'm saying is they just punked the team that punked the Patriots earlier this month. If we go back two weeks, the Titans wrecked the Patriots physically and emotionally, but Houston just did the exact same thing to Tennessee in every single facet of that game. And it's not just Miller. They can also do this to you. First down at the 15-yard line of Tennessee. Watson with the keeper, left side, has the 10, has the 5, going for the corner. He's in! 15-yard touchdown run for Deshaun Watson. Yep, they can do that to you with Deshaun Watson, and they can do this to you as well. Third down and eight for the Titans from their 20. Mariota in the gun, gets the snap. Mariota with a little time, and the ball is knocked out. It's a fumble. The Texans fighting for it. Inside the 11, there's a scrum. Who's got it? Ball was knocked out. Fourth down. And it's fourth down. The Titans keep it. J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt. And on top of that. They finally got Demarius Thomas working last night, too. He had a couple of TDs. Here's what I'm getting at. When you look at that roster, when you look at those resumes, that's an impressive team. But they don't get nearly the run that you'd expect from an 8-3 and three team. 
I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Bill O'Brien was on the hot seat. Now he's in the so-called catbird seat in that division. I mean, you want to play smash mouth man ball? Houston can do that to you on both sides of the ball. They don't just hit, they hit hard. You want to put up video game numbers? They can do that too. So, to answer the Badgers question, the haters... Well, they're everywhere still. And if it's not haters, then it's doubters. Because despite ripping off eight in a row, there's still this collective show-me-something when it comes to the Texans. Hell, the Colts are getting more run than the Texans, and they're two games back of Houston in the AFC South. So, fair or not, not a whole lot of people are buying in on this team. You know, why is that? Is it because their offense, as explosive as it was last night, is inconsistent? Sure. It's not putting up points the way you might want or the way you might expect. But with a defense like that, you don't need to put up 40 every single night. Is it because they never quite deliver in the playoffs? Maybe. Is it because they started 0-3 and they looked like they were going to implode? Maybe. But they're 8-0 since starting 0-3. So it shouldn't be that. They find a way to win. They've done it eight straight times. Not always pretty, not always impressive, but eight in a row is. And yet, eight and three, and the haters, and the doubters are everywhere. What I'm getting at is, they deserve a hell of a lot more credit than they're getting right now. They deserve a lot more run than they're getting right now. Eight in a row. And that was a beatdown that they put on a team that punked the Patriots not long ago. So don't come in here, Texans fans, and say you're not getting any love. You are for me. Maybe not from anybody else, but you're getting it from me. 1-800-636-8686. More on that a little bit later on. Also, and I had to think about it now, because I generally start Tuesday with a recap of Monday Night Football, that's what I did. However, I could have easily started with the Jaguars. You know I've started this show with a lot of takes on the Jags. Their implosion is complete and brilliant. It's amazing. Lots to get to regarding the Jags. Some quick reaction to the story off the very top. Dear Rome, damn, Deshaun Watson sure looked solid last night. Remember when he was the next great QB? Seems like ages ago. Signed, Pat Mahomes overshadowing everyone. Casey in New Hampshire. War Gruden getting fatter as he stress eats while watching the Chiefs tape this week. Again, what a guy weighs does not matter to me unless it's an athlete and it's impacting performance. What a guy weighs does not matter to me unless he's a fighter and can't make weight. I don't care if Gruden's gaining weight or losing weight. I only care about the product on the field, which is pretty horrible. Rome, the Texans being 8-3. and three. Feel like the Raptors being the top seed in the NBA. Sure, the record looks like... But no one's going to respect a team that has a dinosaur as a mascot in the playoffs. It's cute, Houston. But just remember, this is the same team that wore Letterman's jackets on the field before getting stomped by the Pats. This guy's not buying in either. Essentially, that's the guy that I'm talking to. John in Huntington Beach. They've won eight in a row, and there's still this sense of, yeah, really, but show me something. Do something that matters. And I'm here to say winning eight in a row in the NFL matters, especially when you start 0-3. I haven't reset the RPO podcast on this show in a little while. My man Trevor Price had himself a day yesterday, so I do want to reset that. Trevor wanted to set a few things straight, namely whether or not he actually told Katie Nolan what she said that he told her when she tweeted it. He didn't exactly deny it either, by the way. He's like, if I said it. Anytime somebody says, if I said it, they said it. So I'm going to reset that too. You know, just like anytime anybody writes a book, if I did it, they did it. If I said it, oh, if I did it, you did it. You did it. If I said it, I said it. If I did it, I did it. At chlorophyll DUI. That's this guy's Twitter handle. Actually, to be fair, it's at chlorophyll underscore DUI. Chlorophyll. Running for nearly 300 yards. Please. We walked 500 miles. Regards, the Proclaimers. Fairly well done. Fairly well done. They haven't weighed in in a minute or two. 
song makes me laugh. I don't know why. Hold up, Alvy. Running? Running for nearly 300 yards? Psst, please. We walk 500 miles. Regards the Proclaimers. That's pretty well done. We are joined right now by Orlando Magic Center. He is the Eastern Conference Player of the Week for November 18th. 30 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists against Golden State last night. Only the fifth player since 0506 to have back-to-back games of 30-plus points, 12-plus rebounds, and 6-plus assists. 14 double-doubles this season, 239 for his career. He was an all-conference performer at USC. Orlando is at Portland. Tomorrow night, we are joined by Nikola Vucevic. Nikola, good to have you back. How are you? Good, good. How you doing? Good, good. So, let me start right here. You're out on the West Coast, and you beat the Lakers on Sunday. Gave Golden State all they could handle last night. I know you're not looking for moral victories, but playing Golden State in the second game of a West Coast back-to-back is tough. How did you make, or what did you make of the way everybody showed up? Uh, you know, I thought we, we, we played a, you know, uh, a good game, especially in the first half. Uh, we played really well. And then uh, in the second half, you know, we, uh, we just didn't sustain uh, – um, our, our offense and our defense, and then also at the same time, you know, um, Kevin Durant and uh, Clay Thompson really took over the game. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to win a game when you know Kevin Durant has 49, and when he is going like that, and especially playing the 40, he had a couple threes. So, uh, I mean, I know you know there are no more victories in the NBA. You know, you either win or lose, uh, which is all that matters at the end of the day. Uh, but I know it was still a, a good effort. You know, we, we we played well. We had a chance. We're right there. You know, just at the end of the game, they made shots. We didn't. And, uh, but no, it was a no, it was a good effort for us, which can you know give us you know uh, confidence for the last two games against Portland and Phoenix before we head back home. Nikola Vucevic joining us now. In the meantime, you had a huge game in the win over the Lakers on Sunday. You had 31 points, 15 rebounds, seven assists. That win gave you a season sweep of the Lakers. So when you're looking to build something with this team, how significant a win is that? Uh, that was a, that was a huge win for us. Uh, you know, we had just beaten them uh, at home a week before that. And then uh, to play them again, we knew that they were going to be ready and prepared you know, to, to, to play us uh, much better. And uh, you know, we started off the game a little sluggish, but uh, we came back and uh, regrouped and we had a great second half to win the game. And uh, so that was a huge win. You know, any, you know, on the, these West Coast road trips are very, very tough. Uh, and so, uh, you, you know, try to win as many games as you can. So that was a big one for us, especially, you know, against a player like LeBron to beat him twice. Uh, in a year, it can be huge for what we're trying to build. Uh, so that was definitely a big win for us. And, you know, especially in L.A. on a Sunday, you know, it's always fun. Hey, listen, you're not going to make it about you. You'll make it about the team, but I'm going to make it about you for a minute because in the last 24 seasons, only eight players have had consecutive games of 30 points, 12 rebounds, and six assists. The other names on that list are guys like Kobe, KD, KG, LeBron, Harden, Carl Malone, Russ, and you. So what's it like knowing that you're making that kind of history and seeing your name right alongside names like those? It, 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 it's, uh, you know, it means a lot to me because I'm, uh, you know, being among the, those players, just my name being mentioned among those players, you know, so I'm, uh, those are all Hall of Famers. Uh, so it means a lot. Uh, but, you know, most importantly to me is, you know, that uh, those those uh, those games that I had, you know, I sub our team win. I was, you know, yesterday we didn't win, but in L.A. we did. So, uh, you know, just trying to, to, to play aggressive. You know, I've been feeling good since the beginning of the season. Uh, <clears throat> just trying to keep it up. <coughs> Excuse me. Just trying to keep it up. And uh, have the team win as many games as we can. And we had a rough couple of years, so hopefully it's time for us to turn things around. You know, to that point, it has been a couple of tough years for the Magic. And if the season ended right now, you'd be in the playoffs. And I know it's not ending right now, and there's a lot of basketball <laughs> left. But does it feel like the team is starting to turn things around? Or maybe does it feel like you've already turned the corner? Uh, well, I think we, we, we're still uh, in the process of turning things around. Like you said, it's, it's very early in the season. You know, things uh, turn around quickly in the NBA. And uh, you have to be ready for every game, especially us. You know, we, we're trying to build something. You know, we had a rough couple of years, like I said. So we're trying to change the different things on the team, uh, try to play better, try to play the right way every night. And I think for the most part, uh, especially ex- except for the first seven, eight games, we've done that this season. And we had some big wins against some big teams. Uh, you know, we've played well. We've played consistently. So we just have to um, keep that up. You know, we have to understand that other teams are also going to get better as the season goes on. Uh, you know, it's still early. Only I mean, it's only 20 games, and uh, I mean, it's only a quarter of the season. So, 
uh, we, we have to keep you know playing uh, the way we are and even better actually if you want to sustain what we've been doing so far. Nicola, I know if I make this about you again, you're going to make it about the team, but I'm going to do it anyway. You're averaging close to 21 and more than 11 rebounds and four assists per game. Your name is getting a lot of run for the potential All-Star game appearance. What's your reaction when you hear that and what would it mean to you to reach the All-Star game? I mean, it, it would mean uh, I mean, everything to me. I mean, that would, that would be a huge honor for me to be named among the, the, the best players in this league for this season. Uh but at the same time, uh, you know that only comes if you know uh, the team wins. So you know if I'm if I'm able, if I'm able to sustain my play and uh, you know the team keeps winning and we're in a good spot when that time comes, you know maybe I'll have a shot. But I think for now it's too early to think about it. I think for now we just have to focus on keep playing well and uh, helping the team win. And you know as long as we win, then all the individual awards will, will come as well. But uh, you know we just have to keep winning. We're talking Orlando Magic basketball. Now, your parents were both excellent basketball players. What did you learn from them about how to be a professional both on and off the court? Yeah, well, my mom, she, she played before I was born, uh, so I didn't have a chance to watch her play. But my dad played uh, up until I was 12. So, uh, I mean, I just, you know, had it. I, I had the luck to watch him, you know, uh, live as a professional basketball player. You know, I used to go to all his practices almost, all his games. Uh, you know, just watching how he lived as a professional player. Just back then, obviously, I didn't realize I was so young. But now, when I look back at it, uh, you know, it helped me a lot. And you know, the fact that I could just, you know, I had pretty much like a personal coach in my house who who could, you know, teach me whatever I asked, help me. Even to this day, uh, you know, when he watches my games, you know, if I have you know a rough game, a rough stretch, or whatever, you know, I can go to him and talk to him because obviously I'm his son and he knows me. Better than anybody, and uh, you know, we always talk about it. He always gives me great advice, and I uh, you know definitely a huge part of you know what I've been able to accomplish uh, so far. Nikola Vucevic joining me for a few more moments. I mentioned off the top that you were an all-conference player at USC. So you went to USC. Your teammate Jaron Grant went to Notre Dame. I understand the two of you had a friendly wager on Saturday's football game between Notre Dame and USC. What did you guys bet? Uh, we bet a couple little things uh, for fun. Um, Fortunately, I had to lose. Uh, I had to do them because I lost. Uh, and it was a tough game and a tough year for USC. Uh, yeah, I wish you know we had won that game. It would have been a great win to finish the season for us, and then also you know uh, take uh, Notre Dame off the out of, maybe out of the playoff contention. And that would be and Jaren would have to do the bet. I'm not gonna say what the bets were. You know, it's not for public, but uh, it was uh, it was fun to do it. I mean, we always I think between the teammates whenever I call this play. You know, we we better get each other like you know earlier USC played Texas and DJ Augustin and Mo Bamba for when there so although Mo went for like three months so it doesn't technically count as much but uh, we uh, we had a little bet so it's always fun to have those college uh, bets. Right, so I'm going to respect that the, the bet has to stay in-house, but as long as we're talking about Grant, you did recently tweet a picture of some plaid boots with a buckle that he owns. What do you make of those monsters? And you might owe him something, but does he not owe the team an apology for those? Yeah, we, we made uh, we made fun of him uh, when he wore those. Uh, he felt pretty confident about them when uh, he brought them in. I don't, I'm not sure he might wear them again uh, this year because we uh, – we went pretty hard on him for those. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm. I'm all about you know guys trying to you know do different things, but I think that one was a little was a little much. And I, I'll tell you that they did not uh, cheat for sure. You know, they Gucci boots. Uh, so I'm sure he paid quite a bit of money for those. But yeah, I hope they're not coming back anytime soon uh, this season. You know, they're not. They weren't the greatest shoe I've seen. My man probably walked in there like, uh, I look so good. I feel so good. Look good, feel good, feel good, play good. Hey, before you go, oh, you absolutely. and I, right? The last time you and I spoke, you discussed your love of Star Wars, but you're also a fan yeah. of the TV show Friends. So I understand, yeah. apples to oranges, but if you had to choose, what do you love more, Star Wars or Friends? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with Friends because there are more uh, episodes, so you know, I can see more, and it's, it's a show you can watch you know, uh, every day just – to relax. You know, Star Wars is more, you know, it's much deeper, it's much more intense. You know, you can't, like, just watch it, you know, every day. You have, uh, so I'll go with Friends. I think it's just the greatest show. I mean, I swear, every, every time it's on TV, uh, I watch it. And I, I know almost every episode. Uh, and my wife, when I watch it, she's like, again, like, really? <laughs> You've seen this episode. Like, I remember these lines, and I'm like, I know, but it's friends. Like you just, you have to understand it. And, and to me, it's just such a great show. It's funny. It's, I mean, and it shows a lot of things about like everyday life too. And it's just, 
I love it. So, Nicola, who is your favorite character from Friends? Definitely Chandler. I uh, love his sarcasm. Uh, you know, he, he, uh, I, I like to you know, use sarcasm a lot, you know, and uh, so just uh, I love the way he is in the show. Just always joking around uh, and doing things like that. So it's uh, definitely him. But they all have, like, specific, you know, things that they do that make them unique and make them fun. So, like, you know, Joey always, you know, saying things that don't make any sense or Phoebe kind of similar. Uh, you know, like Monica having, you know, to clean everything and stuff like that. Uh, so it's just, uh, you know, I think it's uh, every character I think was made really great uh, to kind of make the show complete. Without question, the single greatest breakdown of that show I've ever heard in my life. Nikola Vucevic, he is the Eastern Conference Player of the Week for November 18th. He is having a big year. Nikola, so good to have you back on the show. Appreciate you and I appreciate your takes. Great to have you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Scott, such a good player. Such a good player and such a good dude. Nikola Vucevic. How about that breakdown of friends? I've never heard anybody break down that show like that. Even better. He kind of implied this, but he didn't say it. He tweeted recently, quote, And for the third time, I finished watching Friends from season one through season ten. And will most definitely start over again very soon. Hashtag best show ever. We've got that tweet up on CBS Sports Network. This guy's watched every season start to finish three times, and he's going to do it again. All right, so we're going back to back to back. Hey, Ross, sorry about that. You knew he was a Chandler guy. You knew it, right? Ross is sitting there in the back row like, yo, what about me? What about me? Does he even know that I work here? Does he even know Ross is on staff of the XR4TI? Let's get a phone call from the D. Pete in Detroit. Good to have you, Pete. What's going on? Jim, thanks a lot for the call. You asked the perfect question. Michigan fans, what do we do now? Our Michigan man, Jim Harbaugh, comes in to take over this team. His job, at the very least, at the end of every season, is to prepare your team to beat Ohio State, even if the record isn't that great. That's the one thing that everybody wants to see you do. They didn't show up. The coaching didn't show up. The team didn't show up. It wasn't even a game. It was an embarrassment. And the last thing I want to do is listen to the local slappies trying to give Jim Harbaugh excuses. I had to turn that off. Harbaugh, this is what you got to do. You got to put up or shut up. No more antics. No more nice little press conferences. You're not getting the job done. Get your job done, or maybe it's time for you to find another team to coach. Thank you, Jim. I'm out. All right, Pete. Thank you very much. You can rock that call. Hey, look, I'm going to call the guy out, but I'm not calling for the guy to be fired. Notice I'm not saying that. I mean, that's ridiculous. You're not going to fire Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is a good coach. He's just not good enough. He's a good coach who's not doing what they brought him there to do. I mean, were people really saying that Michigan belonged in the playoff? That Michigan was the only team that could stand in and trade with Alabama? I mean, they were garbage. They were garbage. But that was then, so let's look forward. 72 hours after that colossal beatdown in the horseshoe, I mentioned it. Two words, just two words, are hounding every Michigan man right now at every single corner. Those two words being, what now? Like, what the hell do we do now? Ohio State clown Michigan again. I'm talking about a team that was a wide-open three-yard pass from losing to Maryland. A team that got speed-bagged by Purdue and spent the season sleepwalking. Yeah, well, that team woke up just in time to feed the best Michigan team in years right into the wood chipper. And I did ask the question on Twitter. Right as that scoreboard hit zero, let me pose it again right now. What's more embarrassing, 62 points or 0-4 for Jim Harbaugh against the only team that really matters? The team they hired him to beat. The team he's paid hella jack to beat. So what's more embarrassing? 62 points or 0-4? I can answer it. The reaction to it all. That's the most embarrassing thing right now. And no, that's not me piling on. Look, there's no shame in losing to Urban Meyer. Although there is shame in having him and them drop 62 on you. Especially when it could have been 70 or more. But the fact is, Herb has buried better football teams than the one he put into the ground on Saturday afternoon. So to me, the shame is not necessarily in the beatdown itself. 
Although that's very shameful and really embarrassing. But you know what's even worse? All the excuses that Michigan man has made since it happened for not taking that beat down like the Michigan men y'all are supposed to be. Seriously, the only thing more whack than that hospital job that the Buckeyes laid on Big Blue are the excuses flying around from some Michigan men. You know, the injuries, the schedule, the facilities, the admission standards. I mean, you go ahead and throw a dart at a wall filled with lame, lame excuses, and there's a real good chance there's a dude in amazing blue sweatshirt squatting on some excuse. And no, the university does not need to lower its standards to compete. Being a top 30 school is a good thing, not a bad thing. Notre Dame is doing just fine. Stanford, although having a down year with David Shaw, he took the keys from Coach Cack and built something bigger and better. Besides, lest we all forget, before you threw all that crazy jacket Harbaugh, he was clowning Michigan for already dropping the school's standards. So... I'm pretty sure that getting your hands on elite recruits is not the issue. This guy can recruit. This guy can get the players. It's not an issue of getting the recruits. It's an issue of coaching them up. Listen, I don't get behind the mic every morning so I can play therapist. But let me give you a little bit of advice. Or better yet, let me direct you to your most famous football alum. The guy who seems to have already jumped to stage five when it comes to grieving after a loss to Ohio State. Stage five, acceptance. Tom Brady goes on WEEI yesterday for his weekly hit. A guy who's made a career of getting behind a mic and not saying jack, never saying anything. He gets behind the mic, though, yesterday and gets to talking about his former football team, and then essentially, you can't shut him up. Now he's saying everything. And after losing yet another one of those absolutely lame teammate bets where one guy's got to wear the other school's colors, TB12 cut straight to the real when he laid down this lava on his alma mater. Are you sitting here right now talking to us in a bright red Ohio State hoodie? Unfortunately, I lost a bet to Nate Ebner, and I already paid him his money, and I got to wear some ridiculous outfit. But, man, it's freaking Wolverines. They can't. <laughs> win a big game man that was that was pretty crappy to watch i can't imagine i root for michigan just because i root against urban meyer and everyone picked you this week i mean they're a great team they're 10 and 1 other 11 and 1 i mean they're a great team and it's just we we gotta figure out how to beat those guys what 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 exactly does this uh ridiculous outfit entail i think it's one of his jerseys you know like an actual game jersey that I'm sure I'll be wearing on Wednesday. He did that for yeah. Vrabel, right? Mike Vrabel's jersey back in the day. Yeah, practice. I actually had to wear that on the field, 94. And uh, I, I mean, we lost them so much. I mean, I don't feel like I ever, you know, I ever win any of these bets. But that's all right. Keep trying. Sounds so, like a problem. Uh, Maybe at some point in time you should stop, Tom. <laughs> well, well, I know, but I can't. I mean, that's just that's weakness. I have to accept the bet. How much money do you owe him? I only, it was only a couple hundred bucks. Do you, are you still happy with Harbaugh? I mean, isn't this the only game that matters? It should be. I mean, I think there's a there's the biggest one. Yeah, that's that's the big one. But we're we haven't been close. I and mean, maybe last year we were a little closer, but still, it's it's sixty some odd points. I was I was talking to Swallow, but we'll see. Maybe we can get in the Rose Bowl. I think if a few things go our way, we get in the Rose Bowl. Uh, so that, would, that would be a good consolation. And would you get a load of that guy? That's TB12, a guy who never says anything about anything. Check out the absolute truth that he's laying down about his squad. Quote, man, the freaking Wolverines, they can't win a big game. That was pretty crappy to watch. End of quote. Quote, we have to figure out how to beat those guys. Quote, we haven't been close. Maybe last year we were a little closer, but still, it's a 60-some-odd points. It's a tough one to swallow. Look, I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. That was your best shot at Herb and the Buckeyes in a long, long time. And if it didn't happen right there, it may never happen again. Best rivalry. Best rivalry in college football? Hell no, but it might be the worst. There is no rivalry when one team is winning seven in a row and 14 of the last 15. So, Michigan man, listen to one of your finest. Listen to one of your own, TB12. Do something that you're trying desperately not to do. Wear that L. Because that's what Harbs had to do in the postgame, where he took another devastating haymaker. You're a pretty good historian of this series. Did you know coming in that they had never scored more than 50 in a game in this series? 
I believe I did, yes. And congratulations to them. They played really well. Damn. You want to talk about a bookend to a season. Getting bodied at media days by a Michigan State journal and then to have that shovel to your grill after Herb laid it on you. But that's what you have to do, Michigan men, because you just threw your best shot at the Ohio State and never came close to landing anything. Now you better hope like hell that whoever you get in a bowl game does not do the same thing. But in the meantime, stop making excuses and own the fact that you just got owned again by your biggest rival. Again. And probably always will. And believe me you, you know I use this phrase, and it's never been more true than this. I don't have a dog in this fight. Couldn't give a damn. Could not care less who won that game. I'm only responding to what I saw. And what I'm seeing is you not accepting that beatdown. Own it. At SoCal Jeff tweets, Pete in the D just melted my radio with that scolding, hot, hardbag take. I'm not calling for the guy's job. I'm not saying you should fire Jim Harbaugh. I'm saying he's not doing his job. He's a good coach. He's a good coach, but not good enough. Not if he rolls out and loses four in a row to start his Michigan career to Ohio State. Dan Cilio and I talked about this morning on 97.3 FM, the fan in San Diego. This guy could go 1-11 every single year if he beat Ohio State. He'd be the most popular guy ever in Ann Arbor. They'd roll him over. They'd extend him. They'd pay him more money. He only has to win one game, and it's the one game that he can't win. Kevin in the Coachella Valley tweets, Michigan fans are the dudes who get their asses kicked, then say, yeah, well, you should have seen the other guy. possibly i'm not even gonna waste time with scoreboard that's the most obvious example of scoreboard ever but for you to sit here and make excuses oh we were hurt we have injuries our admission standards are unfair yes since when since when you can't have both ways if you want to walk around and let everybody know that you're smarter than everybody else because you went to michigan you can't then double back and say yeah well it's our admission standards no it's not Harbaugh himself clowned that notion long ago. Ryan in Houston tweets, Michigan men are the Vinnie Max of football. Ragdolled over and over. Let's go to Des Moines. Vinnie Mac. Vinnie Mac, what's up? All those uh, double-talking jive turkeys out there, they better watch out because they're going to get their asses ragdolled. And all those raggedy Ann and Andys out there, <laughs> I'm the top. I'm the bottle on the top shelf. I'm the steroid that I'm the bottle on the top shelf. I'm I'm. You're Vinnie Mac. Bottle on the top shelf. That's why the hack off existed back in the day, because we had lots of people like that. Well, actually, none exactly like that, but about ten other people as bad as that, and that's why the hack off was so good. People were always like, "Bring it back, Rome. Bring it back. Bring it back." It was just a different time. Like the show, we used to do different things on the show back in the day. There aren't enough callers like that to justify the hack off. Like who would I put in? All right, I'm here for you. I'm all ears. Make an argument that I should bring back the hack off, but make sure when you make that argument, you tell me who's in the field. And if we can put a field together, I'll do it again. The smack off is for the best of the best. The hack off is for the very worst of the worst. He was in it. Rome. I would walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500 more. Signed, James Harden driving to the basket. Steve in PHX. All right, so I started the program by saying the Texans started 0-3. They won eight in a row, and they're not getting any run. They're not getting the credit they deserve. And it's people like this. This says, um, your haters... Nice manufactured hate, Honey Badger. Try this on for size. The Texans are like a slice of dry toast, Slovakia, and a take from Denlesk. Nobody gives a damn. Looking forward to your first round playoff exit. Honey Badger. Fair enough, but they were 0-3, right? They were dead in the water. I'm acknowledging a team whose season was over after the third week, and now they're 8-3. and three. And they're in the driver's seat. And it still means nothing to a lot of you. That's why I did that take. I already knew the answer. 
And then we're on to the Jags. This guy writes, Van Smack. The Jags are the most disappointing, disjointed, dysfunctional football team of the season. They fire Nathaniel Hackett because Marone doesn't want to get fired. They can't unload Bortles because they extended him last season. Their star running back is punching people. I'd say blow it up and start over, but they just did that and they're still horrible. Steve in Tampa. And finally, War Blake Bortles' dream of ripping cigs coming to fruition after being benched for week 13. Matt in Tucson. Is that his dream? I think the guy would rather play than be on the bench ripping cigs. Bortles or Jay Cutler? All right, look, if you know one thing about this program, you know this is your headquarters for all things Jacksonville Jaguar. Nobody loves a good blast more than yours truly. And the fact is the Jags have taken us on a crazy ride for the past 12 months. And maybe the last 36 hours have been the sickest to date. Let me recap quickly. Jacksonville goes to Buffalo. Somehow they managed to find a way to lose. And not just lose, but lose their seventh in a row. They get into a fight on the field. They led to Leonard Fournette getting suspended for this week. Man, that's a bad Sunday. A really bad Sunday. And then that bad Sunday turned into an even worse Monday for offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who got canned. And if you were surprised by that move... Well, then your name is Nathaniel Hackett because he seemed to be the only person on the planet who was shocked that he got broken off yesterday. He told Ian Rappaport that he thought he was being called in to discuss a quarterback change. Quote, it wasn't anything negative. Coach just decided to make a move. I guess he didn't think that I was good enough. That's the only thing that I can think of. It's a shock. End quote. Yeah, in other words, a change. Not a quarterback change, a coordinator change. Hey, Nate, my man, you just lost to the Buffalo Bills. You're lucky you were even allowed back on the airplane. But I do love the guy saying, I guess he didn't think that I was good enough. That's the only thing that I can think of. End of quote. Pretty much. Right. That's how firing a coach goes. He doesn't think you're good enough. Except Hackett wasn't done. In fact, he was just getting started. Quote, I guess the football gods had it out for me. We started off hot, had so many injuries. We were a completely different team. Guys busted their butts, but you can only do so much. I wish I could have figured something out. End quote. Man, this dude is awesome. This guy's one of a kind. I feel like I'm just getting to know him and he's already been fired. Quote, the football gods had it out for me. I mean, that's rich. That's rich as hell. I mean, Nate, what the hell are you talking about? You were the offense coordinator on a 3-8 and eight football team. The offensive coordinator of probably the most disappointing team in the NFL. The O coordinator of a team that was like a play away from the Super Bowl. So either the guy presiding over this entire mess is getting rolled, or the guy next to the guy is, and that guy is you. You're 3-8. and eight. Three and eight, and that record does not begin to do justice to the disaster that is now the Jags. So that's got nothing to do with a bunch of football gods sitting on some nice, soft, puffy clouds and deciding, just deciding that the guy they want to jack with is Nathaniel Hackett. I'm pretty sure the so-called football gods don't even know who the hell Nathaniel Hackett is, much less have decided that he's the one they're going to rain down on. But he wasn't wrong about everything. After the Jags announced that they were firing Hackett, they also announced they were making a quarterback change and that Cody Kessler would be the starting quarterback. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, really? That soon? That soon. Kind of feels hasty to me. Kind of feels like a rush to judgment on Blake Bortles. I mean, sure, the guy did complete only 12 of 23 passes for 127 yards, a TD, and a couple of picks against Buffalo. But damn... We're talking Blake Bortles. Doesn't this dude have stacks and stacks and stacks of goodwill already banked? I mean, sure, it was his sixth game below 200 yards passing this season alone. But this is what makes this guy so awesome, so unique. With all the rule changes in the NFL, all sorts of quarterbacks can throw for more than 200 yards every single game. Bortles is the only guy who can still throw for less than 200 in an era of wide-open offenses. 
I'm telling you, man, this guy's the ultimate throwback. A throwback to the days when the forward pass was a novelty. I mean, what are you going to do next? Come in here and cite some horrible stat about how he leads the league in interceptions, turnovers, and pick sixes since he came into the NFL? Yeah, you know what I have to say to that? Maybe. Maybe, but only because he had more time than Nathan Peterman. You give Peterman a few more games, he'll smash all those records. Seriously, though, what a freaking year for Bortles. One day, you're one play away from the Super Bowl. The next day, you're looking up at Cody Kessler on the depth chart. It's insane. I mean, if you're Bortles, you've got to be like, hey, hey, I just did what I do, right? You do know who you're benching me for, right? You know I'm Blake Bortles, right? This is who I am. This is what I do. I throw soul-crushing picks, and I lose games. Hell, you do know that Chad Henney damn near beat me out, right? You know that. And that right there tells you all you need to know about me, Blake Bortles. Losing my gig to Cody Kessler is not nearly as embarrassing as nearly losing my gig to Chad Henney. Is this news to anybody? Yeah, nor is it news that the offense was built around Leonard Fournette. And when Fournette wasn't there, the whole thing fell apart. The whole damn thing fell apart. Both sides of the ball. So, this is not only about Bortles. It's about the Jags front office, too. They could have had any number of quarterbacks in the offseason. Guys like Teddy Bridgewater, for example. But instead, they rolled the dice with Bortles, and now they've crapped out. And now they're going with Cody Kessler in a game against the Red Hot Colts, and likely without the suspended Leonard Fournette. Good job, everybody. Good job, everybody in Duval. There has never been a team that went from being a joke to a killer and back to a joke again as quickly as these guys have. Again, great job. Great effort. Duval. I always say, give me an A or give me an F. Give me an A or give me an F, and they've given us both in only one year. Do What to do now? What to do now? Well, to quote the Jacksonville queen herself, nothing to do but get drunk, find a tenderoni, take him home, and ruin him. Now, I'm out of money for season tickets, and the only thing I can do is go to the games, get drunk, Find a little tenderoni and take him home for the night and ruin him. I'm out. Duval! How about Nate Hackett? Wow, man, really? You didn't call me in to say we're making a quarterback change? You're firing me? Really? Yeah, Nate. The only more shocking, the only thing more shocking than him being shocked is him thinking the football gods are out to get him. Hey, Jim. 500 miles is decent. But how many flights of stairs did the proclaimers climb? Yours, Apple Watch Bag. Anytime, Alvy. Anytime. Just hit the song. It's right in front of you. You've been playing it all morning long. 500 miles is decent, Alvin. But how many flights of stairs did the proclaimers climb? Yours, Apple Watch Bag. Brett from Bugaha. I would defend Apple Watch Bag, but the watch is like the only product I don't have. Not feeling it. Sullivan, 1870 is in. Rome, the proclaimers walked. We ran. We ran so far away. Signed, Flock of Seagulls. She was deteriorated into the jukebox, the Friday jukebox, which I put down a long, long time ago. Put it down a long time ago. I put that jungle jukebox into the ground. All right, so really quickly, to me, the Texans are not getting enough credit. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm saying tip your hat. They've won eight in a row when they started 0-3. The coach was on the hot seat. Deshaun Watson was not what he used to be. From 0-3 to 8-3, pretty impressive. We already talked about Michigan and Michigan man's response to that beatdown. 72 hours later, they still can't own it. Jacksonville imploding. I've never seen a team go from being a joke to being dominant to being a joke as quickly as that team did. Dear Jim, I will not apologize for refusing his offer of a hug, nor will I apologize for calling him a fake 
because that's exactly what he is. Fake, fake, fake. Authentically yours, the real Silk. More you and me scoping ourselves, going full mosh tonight at some CD dive in HB. Come on. Come on. Den Lesk's non-celebrity impersonator, War Hugh Jackson, going to Wisconsin and offering Jake a full ride as the Badgers quarterback and punt returner. Hey, Den Lesk's, come on. Come on. Let's go to Boise. Back to the phones. Dave in Boise. Hey, Dave, how are you? What's up? Hey, Jim. Hey, I'm telling you, I love what Baker did after that game. He treated it what it is. It's a rivalry game for us, Jim. It's an in-state rivalry. We don't like him. Baker didn't like him. And I loved what he had to say. That's all I got to say. I'm out. All right, Dave, you got it. Appreciate that phone call, too. He made that pretty easy. In terms of Baker Mayfield, where do you come out on this? Do you like the guy's act? Do you like his attitude? Or like some are saying, does he need to grow the hell up and that there's no place for that in the NFL? Let me just say this one more time for the record. Put it down on the record. Put it on the record. Mark it down. I love this guy. I love Baker Mayfield. I love this guy's swagger. I love his attitude. I love his fire. I love that he's absolutely fearless. I love this guy's work ethic. I love his game. And yeah, he runs his mouth. He runs his mouth, but he backs it up nearly every single time. So I don't have a problem with it. What I do have a problem with are all the haters and the notion that this kid has to somehow grow up, that he's somehow immature because he takes it all personally. To me, that's some kind of like whack, backwards, ass thinking right there. Look, it's not this guy's fault that he's got the confidence and the swagger of a 10-year All-Pro. I mean, you want this kid to wait on being real. Wait on being real. Wait on being himself. He doesn't have to wait. This guy's a winner. Has been. He's got a Heisman Trophy. He's the first pick overall. He led the Browns to their first dub in nearly two years. This guy shook all those Johnny Manziel comparisons, which were so whack in the first place, but he shook them all in two snaps of pro football. And you know what else? It's not just me. You know who loves this guy's act? His teammates. College and pro. You know who else? His coaches. College and pro. You know who else? His fans. College and pro. Mostly the people who know him. The people who have gone to battle with him. The guys who have won with him. So I'm not going to be the guy to sit up here on Mount Takemore and tell a 23-year-old dude that he needs to grow up or be less real, or to dial it back some, or be careful because it all comes around. No, what I'm going to do is say, hey, you do you. You be you. You do you. Because this guy is a little bit different, and he runs on a different kind of fuel. And most importantly, he's backed it up virtually every step of the way. Doing him and being him got him taken first overall. And it was the right pick. It was the right decision. One of the best ones the Browns have ever made. And before you come in here and say, yeah, well, he better make the playoffs. He better to back up what he's saying. Man, save that. Save that. You have no idea what you're talking about. This guy took a 1-31 team, and he's got four wins already. He hasn't played the entire season even. So he's already proven himself. He does not need to make the playoffs with this crew to prove himself. Just ask all the Seatown fans who got drunk on free Bud Light about this guy and his swag in his game. Grow up. Get the hell out of here with that. Not only is this guy not immature, he's wise beyond his years. This guy knows what he's doing, exactly what he's doing. He's coming for your heart and the hearts of everybody who's ever dogged or doubted him. And yes, listen, he's a young quarterback. He's going to get knocked around. He'll get his ass kicked, I'm sure. But this cat is going to just keep coming back and keep bringing it and slinging it. So, well, I don't think that Hugh Jackson, and I want to be clear about that. Hugh Jackson did not do anything wrong by taking that gig. Like, I disagree with Mayfield on that point. Hugh did nothing wrong by taking that gig. Hugh was fired. Did you expect the guy to sit out? He did nothing wrong by taking that gig. Put that aside for a minute. That said, I've got no issue with Mayfield finding and using any fuel he can to make the Browns competitive and relevant again because he's already done that. And he's only going to get better. Much better. I love the guy. And know this, even if you don't, 
even if you hate this guy, dude's not changing. Not for you, not for the haters, not for the media, not for me, not for Hugh Jackson. So, bad news for the haters, but I think really good news for the Browns fans. This is not just a guy popping off. There's a lot of substance and work and grind and talent. This dude's smart, too. Really smart. Really effective. Should have gone to him sooner. 1-800-636-8686. So where do you come out on this? Do you hate the guy or do you love the guy? Because there seems to be no middle ground whatsoever. If they were selling stock, I'd load up. I'd buy as much as I could. Great Blue Dini 4 tweets. Rome. Sports. Goes a lot better with double jeopardy. You can't lose. Regards to Orenthal. I see Ron what you did there. Nicole were physically dead, and it's almost like they killed me. Logan Rome hit me yesterday. The, the, the topic of OJ came up at the dinner table, and Logan's like, "Wait, he was an athlete." Rogan Lowe. Even Hawk thought that was funny. Yeah. Rogan Lohm, he was an athlete. He won the Heisman Trophy, rushed for 2,000 yards. Yeah, he was a pretty damn good athlete. Before he became an amazing murderer. <laughs> yeah, I know. People die every day. <laughs> right, especially when they're murdered. Welcome back. Coming into our last segment, I am Jim Rome. We are live in Southern California, and I am joined right now in studio by an NFL analyst for CBS Sports. Nearly 30 years as an executive with the Oakland Raiders, chairman of the board of the Big Three League, author of You Negotiate Like a Girl, Amy Trask is joining me in studio. Amy, how are you? So good to see you. I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Although now that you mentioned the book. Right. Okay for me to note that in your lovely, lovely coffee table area with all those magnificent sports books. Right. Mine's not there, Jim. Come on. Kind of hurt. Obviously, one of the guys took it home to read it. Oh, it's very quick you, on you your know, feet. You knew it was you there, Amy. It, very... Don't act like it wasn't there, Amy. In fact, it had the best piece of real estate. Everybody sees it right when they walk in here. You know, you're quick on your feet. Not bad, right? Not, not bad. bad. Especially since it's true. Maybe. Kind of. Allegedly. Kind of. Okay. So... In, in fact, when you came down today, Adam Hawk could not wait to tell me, my EP, about the, you car, the car you drove down in. What kind of car is this? What's he, the story with this car? Was he knocking my car a little bit? No, not Just at all. because it's over 20 years old. I love it. Has almost 200,000 miles on it. Okay. But, Jim, it's a real stick shift. You know, the kind you use with Come your hand now. and your foot. And, and they don't do that anymore. Five? I five speed? Uh, five speed, Jim. Okay. Can't get rid of this car ever. Boy. And, by the way... She's a little convertible. Oh, she is. Mm-hmm. What, what is she exactly? Well, do I have to say? No, I don't, no, I don't you think don't. I want to say. But you... I will tell you this: I do taunt our colleagues at CBS Sports Network at CBS Sports. Yesterday, I sent them a little note with the top down top on my down. car, and it was seventy-seven it. degrees. Yeah, but the only thing about that, you're in Los Angeles, and you know how this goes. People generally do not want to drive a stick in traffic. I love it, and if they don't want to, they don't have to. That's on them. Amy Trask joining me in studio. I'm with you on that. Now, I want to ask you about an amazing tweet that you had on Sunday. I'm going to read this now. If I own the Ravens, I would have to be restrained from firing Marty Morningwig at halftime. And my answer to my do what question might have been anything, but he made adjustments. Hope I get to share more on at CBS Sportsnet next week. Lay it out for me. What did you see in the first half of that game? Well, And that wasn't the only game. Um, that prompted that reaction. There were a couple of others, and I just figured, you know what, I'm going to let it go and I'll deal with it if our great, great, great producer, Deb Gelman, allows me to on Sunday. Um, It doesn't have to be that complicated. You've got a multidimensional quarterback who can throw, who can run, who can torment defenses. Why would you make a decision to remove one dimension entirely? If I were a defensive coordinator playing against Lamar Jackson, my greatest dream would be that you took away one of the things that he does. You know, in my view, the very best coaches are the ones who evaluate their talent and best position them to be their best. If you were a choir director and you had someone who could sing soprano and mezzo-soprano and opera and and rock and roll, would you remove elements and say, I'm not going to let you do them all? And even worse are the coaches who say, well, you're a soprano, but I'm going to have you sing bass. No. No, I would, no I would not do that. I would not slam somebody into a system that does not suit them. I would design a system around that person, and especially if that's that guy. Amen. Now, 
Okay, now, if you were an executive, and you were an executive for 30 years plus, what do you make of Baker Mayfield as both a player and a leader? Uh, he appears to be tremendous at both. And I would let Baker be Baker. Now, I think the whole hullabaloo that occurred at the end of the Browns-Bengals game last week, you know, I, I'm not a fan of running after anyone with a pitchfork. I just don't join that pitchfork mentality. I never have. I wouldn't be going hard after Hugh for what he did on the sideline or when he left his job seeking another. And I would not be going after Baker for what he did. You know, the best advice I ever received in my life was from my mom. To thine own self be true. By the way, it took me until I was almost out of college till I stumbled across the fact that that was actually Shakespearean wisdom, <laughs> that my mom didn't invent it. But Baker's being Baker, and Baker should continue to be true to who he is. It's what makes him him. Amy Trask joining me in studio. You mentioned the best advice you ever had. Alex Smith was injured last week, and you had made the point early in your career. A player overheard you say football is a contact sport. He politely interjected. What did he say to you? Um, great, great recollection. Um, yes, I was standing on the practice field shortly after I joined the Raiders, and I was entertaining some of our business partners. And one of them reacted to a hit in front of us and said, wow. And I said, yep. Football's a contact sport. And one of our players who was standing by me very graciously uh, joined the conversation and said, Amy, it's a collision sport. Mm. And he was right. All right. So what do you remember about that exchange? How much did that stick with you when you heard that? Oh, it, it absolutely stuck with me. And, and you've experienced this, Jim, have, as have so many people that, that have had the privilege of being involved in football. When you stand on a sideline and you feel the speed of the game and the impact of the game and the collisions, you realize what these men are doing on the field. And the fact that they get up after some of those hits and go right back in the huddle is, look, look I'm the person who, if I smack my shin on a chair or stub my toe, well, you know, you'd think 911 would be on its way given my reaction. I mean, but, seriously, I, there are several times every single Sunday now where I'm watching a game and I can't believe that somebody gets up as a result of the collision they had. I mean, do the fans at home have any idea how much physicality there is, even as the league tries to address it? And the league is trying, and you know that, and I know that, and the league is doing all it can to, to um, address these issues. And to those people who scoff me or get angry when I say that the league is doing all it can, well, it is. Number one, I was behind those closed doors of owners' meetings, and I know that the league is doing what it can at this point. And number two, it's in its best business interests to do so. So, of course, it is trying. But to those fans who... Um, mock a player or yell at a player for not getting up or for for being injured for a game or for taking a down off I, I think of those fans who like I when I smack my shin would be on the ground for a while different breed different breed Amy Trask is joining me in studio so as a Raiders legend what kind of thoughts have you had as you've watched this season play out well, first and, foremost, my, first and foremost, I always, always want and I shall forever want the best for Raider fans. I had the privilege and the pleasure of being embraced by Raider Nation when I joined the team, and I embrace them back, and I shall always and forever love and root for them. And so I feel for them and their heartache, particularly those fans who were hoping to enjoy what could be the last or the second to last year in Oakland before the team leaves for Las Vegas. As to what's going on in the organization, okay, fair enough. You're hired as the head coach. You're given absolute carte blanche to run the entire organization however you want. So well within John's rights, um, and I don't mean that in a legal sense, but well within John's purview to look at the rebuild that the owner asked Reggie to do and for John to say, I don't like what you've done. I don't like the rebuild or what what was it called at the time the deconstruction and reconstruction i want to do it again okay fair enough but what perplexes me is not starting that rebuild around khalil mack mm. um i find that stunning maybe not stunning perplexing it's confusing i find it stunning amy if i can interject i find that really stunning myself but go ahead well it's your show of course you can interject <laughs> but by the way now that i know where your studio is yeah Oh, you are in for it because you may just come in in the morning and find me and you'll in this be chair. Here. Or are you going to come in and put the book where it belongs and then turn around and walk out? Oh, oh no, I'm not and walking And drive out. that cool little car back up with the top down. No, I'm not walking okay, back. Good, I, I'm, you may just come in every morning and Don't, find me in this chair. Fine. Don't wait for an invite. You can come uh, anytime you want. Everybody but, hear that? 
Did every get that down? Someone oh, get no, that we down. have it. It's documented. We, it it um, is forever. But Cleo Mack, look, I mean, you're that, not building around him. And, and that, you know, to people who have said to me, but Amy, that's a lot of money. Did they want to commit the resources? Of course you do. Right. You went and you spent over $55 million on guys that aren't going to be in the league in a year or two. Why not take that money and apply it to a contract for someone I think is a generational player? And look, I grew up with Al Davis. And if I had a dollar for every time he said to me, the quarterback must go down and he, he must, must go, down, go hard. down hard, you know, I could probably have paid Khalil Mack. <laughs> um, he's a generational player. And so I do, I, I really do understand that John did not like the rebuild Reggie did, and he wants to do his own rebuild. Fair enough, but build around Mack. And, you know, people have asked me, would Al have signed Khalil Mack? absolutely unequivocally convinced he would have done so. And the reason I point that out is he would have paid Mac more money than some people thought he should have. And he would have been criticized and he would not have cared. So where does that leave Mark Davis? For instance, I mean, this, this notion of the quarterback must go down and he must go down hard. If you had a dollar for every time Al said that, you'd be extremely wealthy. How did that not work its way down to his son? You know, I, I can't answer that, and I'm not going to speak on behalf of him, but clearly he empowered John to run the organization. The other thing, if I had a dollar for, would be, kid, don't ever leave a team without corners. So I can tell you right now, if you and I bought a team together and you were running the football operations, I'd be at your desk every day saying, corners, pass rush, pass rush, corners. We Amy, can- Amy Trask joining us in studio. Excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So if you were still in that position right now and Mark Davis came to you and said, Amy, this is what I want to do. You're my right hand person. I I care very much about what you think. I'm going to give John Gruden a 10 year deal and I'm going to pay him 10 million bucks a year. How's that grab you? What would you what would your response be to him? Well, since the day that contract was announced, I was not convinced. And having learned more, I remain rather sure, I should say. I shouldn't say I'm no longer convinced. It is not what it is reported to be. Mm-hmm. As you, and I'm not suggesting it's not a lot of money. Any way you want to cut this up, it is a long-term commitment and it is a lot of money. But it's not a 10-year, 10, 10 million, no carve-outs, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, I'm not convinced it's the, the contract it's reported to be. But it is a lot of money. And I, I would have been the girl that was quickly looking at projected cash flows to make sure that it's something we could handle. Listen, it may not be what it appears, but he obviously has a lot of money, a lot of years, a lot of authority. You're right, you're right, Seemingly you're right. total autonomy. If you had to guess, how much of those 10 years do you think he actually fulfills as coach of that team? Uh, I'm not looking to equivocate. I don't know because 10 years is a long time. Health issues impact things over time. Lifestyle issues... Um, I, I don't know, and, and don't make me do an over-under on it because I really don't know, but I think he'll be there a while. Just as long as you stop using words like equivocate because it's going over my head and my audience's head. Nah, you've We're got a smart I'm playing Scrabble here, Amy. Um, you've got a smart audience. Don't and, I? And by the way, you said something early, early, early in your career that until I went to college at Cal, I didn't understand how wise it was. Now, I grew up in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and went to college in Cal. And you said... I cannot wait to see where this goes. It was brilliant. It's so true. And everyone I know from L.A. who then went to college or lived in Northern California says, Jim, it's brilliant. To which I say, of course he is. (laughs) So, Cal... You have no idea how much NorCal hates you. And NorCal, you have no idea how little SoCal cares. 100%. That was one of the wisest views of California. Because because you're like me. Because we both grew up in Los Angeles. And I went to UC Santa Barbara. And I just had no idea until all those kids came down from Northern California how much they hated our guts. And I couldn't wait once I figured that out to tell them, we don't give a damn about you. We don't care about any of you. I would imagine if you made it all the way to Berkeley, you really got some of that. I was done by right? the antipathy from northern californians and, and we're like antipathy or hostility um okay both both actually you know what you're probably right but you know we're all one state yeah except we take their water and that is such a fallacy smog, that right? is such a fallacy so oh. straight. do we take all their water and here's a news flash they have traffic too <laughs> right but not smog not like us yeah, unbelievable. Like, okay, look, why do you hate our guts? You take our water. Not really. Why else do you hate our guts? Because you have smog. Really? That's that's why you hate us? Because we have they, smog. They have it too. They just call it haze. 
That's it. Amy Trask joining me in studio. I have to ask you about your role in the big three. You are a busy person. Your expertise is in demand in a lot of places. What is it about the big three that appealed to you so much? Uh, the quality of individuals with whom I work. Um, I wasn't looking for anything. Ice Cube and his business partner, long-term, long-time, long-time partner, Jeff Quatnitz, um, they know how to recruit, let me tell you this. And, you know, I recognize the the tremendous luxury I have when I say I'm able to choose those with whom I wish to work and the opportunity to work with them in the big three and be a part of them pursuing a vision and a dream. And now we've got Clyde Drexler as our commissioner. Nancy Lieberman just won a, um, a championship as the head coach. I've never been involved with a startup it is a learning experience for me, and I will just say this about Jeff Quantinitz and Ice Cube. They are very, very tolerant individuals um, as they let me tag along with them. Amy Trask joining me in studio for another few moments. I want to read some of the tweets, Amy, that are coming in. You are doing very, very well. Uh-oh. Let's check it out. Thank you very much for that. At Midtown Hunt Crew tweets, please come back to the Raiders, Amy. Oh, well, Iron that, that Patriot kinda... 40 tweets, Amy Trask is such a great person. Top two interviews every time in the jungle. Steve Elkington is the other. All right, wow. so that's, a, that's a huge compliment. Wow. Joel Harm 73 tweets, Rome, I have always respected Amy, but man, she is moving up the list with her love for a stick shift. War, hashtag stick shift nation. Okay, do you want to hear just a little stick shift story? Yes, I do. I may get in trouble when I get home for this, but (laughs) my husband is just a sensational driver. He actually raced cars recreationally for a while. But when we first, first started dating and I had my little stick shift and he was driving it home from an event... It was in fourth gear, and I really, really thought it should be in fifth gear. You didn't tell him that, did you? I I said, you know, this car has a fifth gear. And I will tell you, we still remain dating and ultimately married. So he has forgiven me, I hope, but now he may not for having told that publicly. Backseat Amy Trask. Amy, come on There is no backseat, though. I was right next to him. There is no backseat. And I said... So it was okay. It is a pretty famous quote. This car has a fifth gear. (laughs) It's a great line. Dennis Dodd is in. Amy Trask on the Jim Rome Show right now. Big fan of both. Dennis Dodd, you know I'm a big fan of yours. I am too. They keep coming. J-Town tweets, love Amy Trask. She's a boss. She will always have a special place in the hearts of Raider Nation. Amy, I only have about 60 seconds. I cannot believe how fast that segment went. How does it make you feel to hear that stuff? Um, When I hear things like that from Raider fans, my heart swells. And as I said, the moments I spent with fans during my career were among the most magnificent moments of a magnificent career. And the fact, think about this, Jim. I joined the Raiders in the mid-80s, and this fan base had no concern with my gender whatsoever. Right. They embraced me from day one, and I embraced them back. And I actually think we better go off air before do I start you know, crying. Do you know what? Yeah, we can do that. And the reason they did, Amy, because you are a boss. You are a uh, freaking boss, and now you know where I am, and oh, you are welcome to come back here back anytime. I'm going to be back here a lot. Good night now! From the kids to Aunt Sue. Keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Learn more about gig-speed internet or other popular plans. With Xfinity, you'll enjoy faster downloads and a better streaming experience. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed.